Well, good morning. Y'all doing well and look well. We got a lot to be thankful for. Um, you know, a lot of our brothers and sisters in Christ across the state of Missouri are not being able to gather this morning, and so we do have that blessing. I hope you see it as a blessing. Um, we have uh, missed the nastiness of whatever snow apocalypse it's been called, but uh, it's it's good. And I hope you're ready for what God's got in store for us this morning. Uh, we are going to be in Joshua. Uh, we're going to be in Joshua chapter 1. We're going to be reading verses 10 through 18 this morning. And we're actually going to spend, we spent last week looking at this. We're going to spend this week and we're going to spend next week looking at it. As we're doing this series, Journey to Promise, and, and the focus for these weeks uh, it, right now is preparing for the promise. Um, one thing that we can do as brothers and sisters in Christ is, you know, is a lack of preparation in our personal relationship with God. And so how do we do that? How, how do we prepare daily for this relationship we have with God and what God wants us to do as a part of His promise and wanting everyone to come to know Him as, as their God and Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. And so we're going to be spending some time on that and see how Joshua did this as he prepared not only himself, but prepared the Israelites as they journeyed into the promise of God, heading to what is known as the promised land. If you are a note taker, or if you just happen to have a phone or a pad of some sort uh, that has a note application, I, want you, I really want you to write this down. Um, because it's going to be something I want you to look back this week, maybe this afternoon. Um, here's a question we're going to be really dealing with this morning. What has God shown you? What has God told you? Or what has God revealed to you in your past that is impacting your present and leading you into faithfulness for your future. Here it is again. What has God told you, shown you, or revealed to you in your past that is impacting your present and is leading you into faithfulness for your future? We're going to see how this plays out here in Joshua this morning as we pick up the scriptures. Um, everything leading up to the book of Joshua is spoken of this moment going back to you know, good old father Abraham. Uh, Joshua and the Israelites have been wandering for 40 years. They've come to the, the shores of the Jordan River, able to look over and see the land of promise. And as they get ready to head into the promise, God calls them to remember their past. Remember where I brought you from. Remember the covenant I've spoken over you and spoken to your ancestors. Remember my faithfulness to your past is my faithfulness in your present. Remember where you are right now and why you are in this moment right now. But also remember where I'm taking you. Because everything that I've taught you, everything I've spoken over you, everything I've trained you for this moment in your present is to lead you into the faithfulness of the future that I'm taking you. Let's begin by reading the scripture and we'll see how this plays out. In Joshua chapter 1, we're going to read the word of the Lord beginning in verse 10 and we'll read through verse 18. And the word of the Lord says, And Joshua commanded the officers of the people, Pass through the midst of the camp and command the people, Prepare your provisions, for within three days you are to pass over this Jordan, 
to go in to take possession of the land that the Lord your God has given you to possess. And the Reubenites and the Gadites and the half-tribe of Manasseh, Joshua said, Remember the word that Moses, the servant of the Lord, commanded you, saying, The Lord your God is providing you a place of rest and will give you this land. Your wives, your little ones, your livestock shall remain in the land that Moses gave you beyond the Jordan. But all the men of valor among you shall pass over armed before your brothers and shall help them. Until the Lord gives rest to your brothers as he has to you, and they also take possession of the land that the Lord your God has given them. Then you shall return to the land of your possession and shall possess it, the land that Moses, the servant of the Lord, gave you beyond the Jordan toward the sunrise. Verse 16, And they answered Joshua, All that you have commanded us we will do, and wherever you send us we will go. Just as we obeyed Moses in all things, so we will obey you. Only may the Lord your God be with you as he was with Moses. Whoever rebels against your commandment and disobeys your words, whatever you command him shall be put to death. Only be strong and courageous. Let's pray again to get to this morning. So Father, I thank you for this day. I thank you for your word. I thank you for this place we can gather in your name and the promise of your word. Where two or more are gathered, you are here. I thank you by the grace and mercy we're allowed to enter into the holy presence. Thank you for declaring us, adopting us, and calling us your own. And Father, I pray that in this morning as we go through your word, your spirit will be what guides and leads us. It gives us discernment and wisdom beyond our own ability. That your words will be spoken to us in a way that we know that it is truth. Father, you will correct us, train us, rebuke us. Do whatever you need to do with us that we may be the people you need us to be. I thank you for your faithfulness throughout our life, your faithfulness throughout the lives before us. I thank you for your faithfulness in this moment. And Lord, I, help, I pray that you give us all the faith we need to remain faithful to you as we move forward into the future. Thank you for what you're going to do here this morning. Lord, I pray that you just... Get me out of the way. I can't do what you need to have done this morning. I don't have the wisdom. I don't have the power or the authority. So let your words be the only words that are spoken. Bring all glory and praise to you alone. And Father, I pray that your will would be done in each and every life in this place. For those who are here this morning who do not know you as their Lord and Savior, Father, you would reveal that in a very precious, merciful way. And you would draw them to your presence by the power of your Spirit. Forgive us if we failed you in any way as we've gone through these songs and lifting you up and praising you for your faithfulness and what you've done. And Lord, as we come to your word, I ask that you help us to love you with our heart, mind, soul, and strength so we can love the people you've placed around us the way you command us to. Thank you for this day. Thank you for everyone here. We pray this all in the name of Jesus. Amen. So if you haven't been here for a while, we've been going through Joshua for several weeks. We took a break at Christmas. We're returning back. We're going to be in Joshua for another several weeks, and we'll take a little break, and then we'll come back to it. So that's going to be the format for uh, quite a while now. Uh, the beginning of Joshua begins with the narration of God. He's speaking over Joshua, speaking to the Israelites. Joshua is taking command of the Israelite people to lead them into the promised land, which is what the book of Joshua is really about, the conquest of the promised land, the issues that emerge in that conquest, the faithfulness of God throughout that conquest. But as we look at these, these passages, we're really going to be dealing with the past, present, and future. 
and to understand the question that I put forward, you know, how has God revealed, spoken to you, or, or shown you something in your past is impacting your present and preparing you for the faithfulness of the future, it all begins with what we should be preparing ourselves as, uh, or for. And the first thing we need to prepare our, ourselves for is to prepare for the promise we must be faithful stewards of God's Word. That should impact our past, our present, our future. To be prepared for the promises that God has over our life, our family's life, our marriage life, our jobs, our, our peers, our co-workers, whatever. It begins with us personally being prepared to be faithful stewards of the Word of God. The word steward is used in Scripture. It's not a word we use all too often unless you're familiar with like Lord of the Rings or Game of Thrones or something like that. But a steward is someone who's appointed to oversee or look after something. That's what we're called to be, a faithful steward of the Word of God, someone who is to oversee and to look after the Word of God. Up to this point, God has been leading the Israelites and, and Joshua through the wilderness. And so 40 years up to the book of Joshua, the Israelites have been wandering all because of a lack of faith in trusting the Word of God. If you go back to Numbers chapter 13, there's a story there that speaks of Moses sending 12 spies to look out the promised land to bring a report about the land itself. So the 12 spies go in. Joshua is one of them, as well as another man named by the name of Caleb. And 10 others, they go in and spy out the land for 40 days, and then they come back to tell Moses that the land is fruitful. The land is good. It is, it is good for us to live in their land. And then they begin speaking about the people of the land. But the people in the land, they have fortified cities. They have armies. They're huge. And their story begins as, as this story about how great the people are. It becomes almost a fishtail. We're like grasshoppers compared to them. They're so big. They're like, they're from the Nephilim. They're these giant figures. We can't take the land. And so they had a lack of faith, even though God spoke his promise and his faithfulness over them from Abraham and why he was, he was establishing this covenant with the Israelite people from the past into their present to prepare them for the future. They had this moment where they would have to trust God or trust what they see. And their trusting was that the people in the land of promise were bigger than the God that they served. And so they chose to have a lack of faith. They chose not to trust what God has already revealed and spoken over them, and it impacted their present and it impacted their future. But Joshua and Caleb, they knew better. <laughs> they looked at Moses, ah, oh, we can take them. The land is good. We can do this. But God didn't let them go. Joshua, Caleb, and Moses had this understanding that their God was bigger, that this land was promised to them. As we come into Joshua chapter 1, we read that Joshua goes to the commanders and he tells them to pass through the midst of the camp and command the people, prepare your provisions for within three days you are to pass over this Jordan to go and take possession of the land that the Lord your God has given you to possess. If you jump to chapter 2 of Joshua, you see that Joshua, in fact, sends spies into the land. But here's the difference. See, Joshua is not going to allow history to repeat itself. Joshua was one of the spies. He understood when the spies came back and gave this report of the land, it put fear in the entire camp of Israel that they became unfaithful to God, the God of faithfulness. Well, Joshua goes to the officers, the leaders of the camp, and he says, look, three days we're going in. Three days. So prepare your provisions now. 
And it's believed that chapter 2 of Joshua actually fits between verse 11 and verse 12 of Joshua chapter 1 because it is three days that the spies are in the land. In Joshua chapter 2, they stay at the house of Rahab, which we'll talk about that when we get there. But they're in the land and Joshua says, I'm not waiting for the spies to come back and tell me whether it's good or bad that we go. I know what God has spoken over us in the past. I know why God has brought us here to this moment in the present. And I know where God has taken us in the future. So here's the thing. Get your stuff ready because we're going. We're not waiting for a report. This is God's plan. Luckily, the spies come back and they give a very favorable report. But the Bible does this often where it, it jumps around in timelines. See, the Bible's not a chronological book. If you read from Genesis to Malachi in the Old Testament, it can be quite confusing because it jumps around in different time periods, different prophets, different kings, and trying to figure out where that all fits in and stuff like that. But a prime example of this is the book of Deuteronomy, which leads to Joshua. If you read the book of Deuteronomy in the opening chapters, it begins in the end. It's kind of like some of our movies and TV shows, how they start out with this cliffhanger. It begins with the end of Moses' ministry, Moses' leadership, and then it jumps back in time. And we go back to Mount Sinai, we go back to the wandering and the spies and all this stuff. And it gets a play out to the end of Deuteronomy where we come back to now Joshua is succeeding. This is what happens here in Joshua. Joshua understands what God has revealed to him and the Israelites in their past. He understands why they are where they are at this moment in the present. And he understands where God wants to take them for the future. And so he does not tell the camp, hey, I'm sending spies in. We're going to see what they say. He says, I'm, I'm sending these spies in. And he may have even done it kind of secretly or quietly so the camp wouldn't wonder. But as he does this mission with the spies, he says, you prepare your provisions because we're going. This is why we're here. We're going to go take possession because the Lord, our God, is giving it to us. Even though the 40 years of wandering was a result of lack of faith, what the 40 years of wandering did is allowed Israel to begin to trust God. Allowed Israel begin to know God. Now, they weren't always faithful. You can read through those exciting books of Exodus and Numbers and Deuteronomy. I mean, those Leviticus, those are tough books to read through sometimes. But we see in those books that it's, it's those 40 years that Israel is learning to trust God, learning to know God. And they don't always get it right. They don't always do the right thing. But it's those 40 years of preparing them for this moment in the present to take them into the future that God was getting them ready for. See, the past promises of God is to impact our present living for God and our future faithfulness to God. The Jews, the Israelite people here, were called to be faithful stewards of God's word. In Romans chapter 3, verse 2, Paul writes that the Jews were entrusted with the oracles of God. And one of the reasons the Jewish people were entrusted with his word is so that they could know him and they could know what he desired of them and how he wanted them to live. Deuteronomy chapter 4, verse 6, the word of the Lord was given to the Israelites, and God spoke to them and says, you are to keep them. You are to do them, for that will be your wisdom and your understanding in the sight of the peoples who, when they hear all these statutes, will say, surely this great nation is a wise and understanding people. For what great nation is there that, that has a God so near to it as the Lord, our God is to us, 
Whenever we call upon him, and what great nation is there that has the statutes and rules so righteous as this law that I have set before you today? See, not only were the Israelites and the Jewish people given the word of, of God so they could know him and know how to live, but by trusting God and trusting his word, the peoples of the world would look at them and know that their God is different. Their God is the true God. Their God is near them. Their God is a relational God. Their God cares for them. And so the Israelites were trusted with the word of God so they would know how to live and how to live differently. And the same application for us today is that God has given us his word. He has revealed things in our past to impact our present, to prepare us for the future, that we'd be a good stewards of the word that he has proclaimed to us. See, as God's people, just as Joshua and the Israelites are, we are to be a people of the word, not of the world. And this is very important because we're finding this mixture of things. And how this impacts us directly, it comes to a question is, how do you view the Bible? How do you view God's word? How do you view the scriptures? Because if, if it's just like a cool book, it's got some cool stories in it and some interesting things that make really good movies or TV shows. Most likely, my view of the Bible is just that. It's just a kind of cool book. It's a book for entertainment. And I can go to it if I want to, but if I don't want to, I don't have to. Some people view the Word of God as that, you know, it has some relevance. It has some relevance to my life, but there's parts of the Word of God that seem irrelevant. And the danger with that in my view of God's Word is that if I view some of it as relevant and some of it as irrelevant, then that means I can begin to pick and choose parts of God's word that I want to follow and that I want to be faithful to. And this is what is happening in America today is churches are proclaiming Jesus Christ, but they're only picking and choosing part of God's word that they want to preach and proclaim. And people think that is authentic Christianity. But if I view this as the complete perfect word of God spoken by God from the throne room of heaven given to men and women through the power of the Holy Spirit for me so I might know God I might know what God wants of me I might live a life that is holy and pleasing to God so the people around me would know that he is in fact God by the way I'm living and trusting in his word then it impacts everything in my life and I don't get to pick and choose what I don't like what God says and what I don't like what he does say the Bible is for our benefit. It is for our blessing. It is for our, our transformation, what the Bible calls our sanctification, our setting apart. And to answer the question on how I view the Bible, here's a good measuring rod. One way to measure on how you view the Word of God is how often are you in the Word of God. pretty good measuring rod on how important I think it is in my life. How often am I actually in God's Word? For Joshua, he understood that the words of God spoken over him were his only power, his only authority, and his only guidance, and his only ability to do what God wanted to do in his life and the people's lives that were following him. It was his only source. So what does it mean for us to being faithful stewards of God's Word today in 2019? Well, let's begin our past, our present, and our future. 
We are to be faithful stewards of God's words from our past. If you look here in Joshua, in verses 12 through 15, Joshua turns to two and a half tribes, the Reubenites, the Gadites, and the half tribe of Manasseh. What he does, and he turns to the past, it's an incident in Numbers chapter 32, in which these two and a half tribes come to Moses, and they ask Moses if they can stay on this side of the Jordan River. They've already got their herds, they've already got their camp set up, and they, they feel kind of comfortable in this spot. Well, Moses doesn't like the idea initially, but he goes and seeks the Lord, and the Lord gives him counsel and wisdom on how to handle it. And this is what the Lord says. He goes to this, these two and a half tribes and says, look, you can stay here, but first you have to send all your fighting men, and that would be men 20 years or older. That's the men of valor spoken of there in verse 14. All your fighting men have to come with us because this project is a unified effort on behalf of God's people. And so your fighting men have to come, and only when the conquest is complete can they return. Your wives, your children, your herds can stay here, but they have to come and fulfill this promise of God. And so what Joshua does is he turns to his two and a half tribes and he speaks God's word from the past. Remember when God revealed this part of his promise. This is what he said, and now I'm calling you accountable to what God has already spoken over you. And that's why the Reubenites, the Gadites, and the and half-tribe Manasseh say, okay, you're right, we're in. Because they remember what God has spoken from the past that was to impact the present. For us here this morning, what has God spoken over our past? What has God spoken to our hearts, something in our past that is meant to impact where we are today? Maybe it was God calling us out of a sinful situation, a sinful habit. Maybe it was God calling us out of a relationship. Maybe it was God calling us to stop doing something or start doing something. Maybe we've had God's word spoken over our past. So here's, here's the question. How am I living what God has spoken presently? Am I being faithful to that? Am I trusting him? Or am I trusting myself? One of the things that God has spoken over every individual that is called upon his Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, is what Paul refers to as the mystery of godliness. 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16, Paul says the mystery of godliness are these things. He, being Jesus Christ, was manifested in the flesh. He was vindicated by the Spirit, seen by the angels, proclaimed among the nations, believed on in the world, taken up in glory. As I was thinking about this week, because it is unfair for me to say, okay, what has God spoken to you that you should be doing? And for me to not, so I get all week just to ponder on this question for God just to, you know, make me more holy. <laughs> and I went all the way back to the time when I was about 19, 20 years age, and I, and I came back, I was 19, I came back to the Lord because um, I was just kind of going through the motions of Christianity. You know, I was doing all things you should do. If you're a good Christian, you're a good church person, you go to church, you smile, you shake hands when Someone tells you, do you have to shake hands? You do all that stuff. But when it came to the reality that God wanted more of me than that, He wanted more of me than just going through the motions. 
He wanted a relationship with me. He wanted me to seek after him. And, and he wanted me to know that he knows me as his child. And he wanted me to get to know him more through his word. When that began to impact me, you know what? There are things in my life that I automatically knew right then and there that if I'm going to be real about this relationship with God, there were things that needed to stop. There were things I needed to stop watching, things I needed to stop listening to, words I needed to stop saying. There were situations I had to stop putting myself in. There were people I had to cut myself off from. I knew immediately there were things I needed to do, not because I had another list of righteous deeds to do, but for my own sanctification and transformation, I needed to put these borders around myself. I automatically knew it by the Spirit. This is something I had to do. And so now looking back this week, I just say, okay, am I still as passionate about those things that God initially spoke to me as I am today? What God has spoken over me in my past, since God is unchanging, am I still living that out presently? My confession is no, I haven't. So when I came to the reality that Jesus Christ loved me and it was by His grace and His mercy, and by nothing I could do, you know what I wanted to do? I wanted other people to know. And I couldn't stop telling people. They had to tell me to shut up. can't think of the last time people have told me to shut up because I was talking so much about Jesus Christ. And it hit me this week, what did I do? You know, did I just start becoming numb? Did I start thinking, it's just not that big of a deal? So God really spoke to my heart this week that, you know what? I've spoken truth over your life in the past that you are to be doing right now in the present. My truth has not changed. That's what makes it truth. And you may be here this morning and there are things that God has spoken to you in your walk with Him, things that need to start or stop. And you know every time you do it, I shouldn't be doing this. Because God has spoken that over you. But see, if we're not allowing God's word to impact us in our present life, then we're foolish builders. We're foolish builders. Jesus says, the wise builder is the one who hears these words of mine and does them. Whereas the foolish builder is the one who hears these words of mine and does not do them. We've been, have we been faithful stewards of what God has spoken over our lives? The only way we can be faithful stewards in the present is that we're faithful stewards from the past. But then it begins to impact us. How am I supposed to be a faithful steward of God's word in the present? We'll see Joshua here in Joshua chapter 1, his faithful stewardship of God's word is that he tells the people to act in obedience right now. Go prepare your provisions 
Within three days, we're going to pass over this Jordan to take possession of the land. He, he tells them to pass through the midst of the camp, command the people, prepare your provisions. You are to take action currently, presently in your life to live out what God has spoken over us already. Things that we know, things that he's reminded us over and over again. We're to presently be doing this. And so how am I as God's people? How are we as God's bride to be presently living the word of God? Well, obedience is one, but we spent a lot of time on that last week, so you can just check out the podcast. But another way is we are to live out the Word of God by being able to speak and share the Word of God in our present culture. What I mean by that is as God's people, we need to be preparing ourselves to share the mystery of godliness that Paul writes about in the New Testament to people who don't know about God and his love for them. So that means we have to be preparing ourselves and studying the word of God and know what it means to say that someone is saved by grace, when someone is saved by faith, when it means that God transforms us and adopts us and sanctifies us and reconciles us and redeems us. We need to understand the meaning of the resurrection and the atonement and and what the Passover lamb was. We need to understand that. Why? Not for so we can have more puffed up knowledge, but so that we can go out into the world that we presently live in and people can hear the love of God and the message of God coming out of our life. But unfortunately in America, we rely more upon a pastor or a preacher to preach the word of God every single week. And then we don't have to be personally invested. Can you define what it means to be sanctified? Can you define what the atonement is? Can you define what reconciliation is, what justification is, what sanctification is? Are we being faithful stewards of God's word in the present by understanding the mysteries that God has revealed to us in our past? That's the calling of discipleship. That's part of our maturing in our relationship with God. As I grow in more of the knowledge of these things, one, it impacts my heart, and I fall more in love with God because I realize how unworthy I am. But when I truly understand God's grace and forgiveness, you know what it also is going to do? It's going to make me share about it more. Because I understand that if people don't have God's grace and forgiveness upon their life and they don't have Jesus Christ as their salvation... They're lost. Are we being faithful stewards of what God has spoken of in the past to understand how that impacts our life? Another way about being faithful stewards in the present is we need to know what God's Word says about the issues going on in our world. We need to know this, and and here is where this is playing out. We as God's people, need to know what the Word of God says about marriage. We need to know what the Word of God says about relationships. We need to know what the Word of God says about abortion and homosexuality and immigration laws. What does God's Word say about a wall being built? 
What does God's word say about taxation and education? What does God's word say about these things that are talked about on Facebook and talked about in the news all the time? What does God's word say about those things? Because if I don't know what he says, here's what's going to happen. I'm going to begin making decisions based upon party lines and things that I like to hear. Itching ears. We're all vulnerable to it. And so in Christianity, here's the sad thing that's happened, is there are churches that are divided over, over uh, voting things every, every few years, where the, uh, half the church says, well, I vote this way, and half the church saying, I vote that way, and we don't even base it upon what God's word says, we base it upon what party someone's aligned to. Jesus is not Republican or Democrat. He wasn't even American. <laughs> And he didn't call himself a Christian. But Christianity is becoming divided, not upon what God's word says, but because, well, you know, they're a Democrat. They're a Republican. Who cares? I voted for both. And if that bothers you, here's the thing. You need to check your heart. What does God's word say? Here's another challenge. I love challenges. This week, when you turn on the TV and you sit down and watch the news, when you open your news app on your phone, Facebook is not a news app. <laughs> Instagram, Twitter. When you, when you read an article, when a notification comes on your phone or your smart thing about something that's happening in the world, Read it, but do it with this question. What does God's word say about this? And if you don't know the answer, which there are going to be things that come up that you're not going to know the answer to. Here's the beauty of it. We have access to the word of God. So if I don't know what God's word says about this, what I did to do is I did to allow God's spirit who dwells inside of me to lead me through God's word so I can get an understanding and a lens of God on this issue. And then you can post on Facebook all you want. See how many lovers you get. But we as God's people, here's the thing, for us to presently be faithful stewards of God's word, we have to know what God's word says about the world in which we live in right now. Not what so-and-so says, not what so-and-so wants to do, not what so-and-so is aligned to. Our allegiance is to the kingdom of God and his word. Joshua understood that. He did not care what those spies were going to say. We're going because this is God's word. Finals are faithful stewards for God in the future. Response of the two and a half tribes in verse 16 and 18 is speaking of the future. And they speak of their faithfulness to God's word of the future because they understood the promises they made to God in the past, how God was calling them to live it out in the present, and they understood that that was going to regulate their future. That was going to be the decision they made based upon their future action was what they already understood about God. And what we need to understand is how we live by the word of God today how we interpret and understand the Word of God from the past will impact our children, 
our grandchildren, and will impact the future church. How Harvest Hill is faithful to this word today will have an impact on our kids and grandchildren tomorrow. As a parent, how I live by this word today in my household will impact my son and my daughter for tomorrow. It will impact what they seek after. See, people are watching us whether we like it or not. So we have to be faithful because we understand our faithfulness today is impacting the future. Come to the end of Joshua, in Joshua chapter 24, probably one of the more famous passages in all of Joshua. The conquest is near completion. There were kind of some hiccups on the way. Um, but Joshua's gathered all the people of Israel together. In chapter 24 and verse 15, he says, Choose this day whom you will serve. Where the gods your father served in the region beyond the river, speaking of Egypt there, or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. And then here's the verse we probably all heard and know, maybe even have in our house. But as for me and my house, we will do what? We will serve the Lord. How did Joshua get to this moment? You ever ask that question? How did Joshua get to the moment where he looked upon this massive amount of people? I mean, we're talking about a million people. And he's willing to make a stand. He doesn't care what they say or what they do. But he is firmly planted in the Word of God. Well, if you look at his calling out here in verse 15, it's chapter 24, verse 15, we see what Joshua does and what we've been talking about this whole time. Joshua calls out from the past what God has revealed and done in the past so they can make the decision in the present that will impact their future. He says, whether the gods your father served in the region beyond the river or the gods of the Amorites in the land you now dwell. That's calling out from their past. He's calling out from the Israelites' past. He said, look, you remember the stories that we've been telling our kids. You remember what God has told us to remember and to pass down to our children. When God came to us and we were in bondage in Egypt, in slavery, and God redeemed us, he rescued us, not because of anything we could do or anything we brought to the table, simply because he is faithful to his word. You remember that. You remember how in the last several years we've been coming through this land and God has been pushing these people out because it is his promise. Remember that. Remember what God has revealed in his past so you can presently make this decision today because you've seen the power of God and the faithfulness of God to his word that now you have to make a decision. Who will you serve? And Joshua doesn't wait for the invitation song to come along. He doesn't wait for the aisles to be flooded. Joshua looks across this mass of people. He knows who his God is. He knows whom the God he serves. He knows how God has revealed himself, how God has used himself in his life. So whether or not you're for this or against this, I don't care. Because as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. Of course, you read on, Israel's like, yeah, me too. <laughs> then we get to Judges. And, yeah. 
So this is where we are today. What has God revealed, spoken to you, shown you in your past that he's calling you to right now in the present to make a commitment? Maybe God's spoken to you several times that there's a habit, an addiction, something you need to give up. And you just, you haven't. But you know that's what he wants. Maybe there's someone in your life that God has been telling you over and over and over again that's someone you need to share how much God loves them. But you haven't. Maybe God has led you to this moment where there's a moment of faith and a moment of trust that you don't understand the hows and the whys and the whats. But you know God is calling you to trust Him right now in this moment. And all you have to rely on is this your experience with God in your past, that He is faithful. So I'm going to trust you in this moment because I know you're leading me to where you want me to be in the future. But here's the declaration. Whose house will your your house serve? Whose heart will your heart serve? Maybe you're here this morning, and what you need to know is the God of the past, the present, and the future is a God who is for you, not against you. You and I are created different than anything else in all creation because we're relational. You ever wonder why we desire relationships? Coworkers, we eventually desire, some of us desire relationships with boys or girls. Girls for me, boys for, you get it, whatever. We get married, we have families, we have peer groups we hang out with, people we talk with, we have three billion Facebook friends. We're relational people. We go on teams because we like to be around people. The reason we do that is because the Bible clearly reveals in the very beginning that God made you for a relationship. He made you for a relationship. We have relationships with people, but the most important relationship we are to have is a relationship with God. And until we come to that understanding, we're going to find and seek after relationships in other places. And the Bible reveals when we do that, we're always going to be let down. But God has created you for a relationship with Him, and the issue isn't that you're not good enough, or you're not handsome enough, or pretty enough, or you haven't excelled enough in life. The issue... So you have sin. And sin, defined by Scripture, is doing what you know you shouldn't do. Because we all know there's things that we should do and shouldn't do. The question is, how do we all know that? It's obviously not the government. How do we all know there's a right and a wrong to do? Well, God from the past and in His Word says, that He has placed His law in our hearts. So we know you should treat people a certain way. We know we should act a certain way in public. We know we should say certain things. We know we should do certain things. That's because God has put that in your heart. But we all make decisions at times about not doing the things we know we should do. And that's sin. 
And unless that sin is taken care of, and it can't be taken care of by me or by you, but taken care of by the God who created you for a relationship with himself, you will die in your sin and be eternally separated from God in a place the Bible defines as hell. But God in his great mercy, his great love, and his great faithfulness to his word sent his only son, Jesus Christ, to live a life that you and I couldn't, to die a death you and I couldn't, and to rise again from the grave like you and I couldn't. He did it all for us, paid it in full, so we can be completely forgiven. And the Bible says that when I believe God is for me that much, and I believe that in my heart, that Jesus Christ was his son, who came to this earth, who died for my sins and rose again. When I believe that in my heart and I confess it with my mouth, the Bible gives this incredible promise, I will be saved. No resume, no background check. That's mercy. Not even a question, what are you going to do with it now? I believe that God loves me that much. Even if I don't fully understand it, I believe it. And I need to be saved. This may be where you are presently right now. You understand there's a right and wrong. And you understand you're not the most powerful thing in this world. The Bible says there's a God who is. And he calls you this moment to accept his love and his grace and his mercy and his forgiveness through Jesus Christ. And you have to make a decision like Joshua made. Who are you going to serve in this moment? Unless Jackson to come up and lead us. If you know that's you, you're lost and you need Jesus, I'm going to be down here. You just have to say, hey, Pastor Mike, I want to be saved. Maybe you're here and you're like me, and, and see, I've had all week to wrestle with this, and so I did to drop it on you in, in like 30, 40 minutes. Maybe the Spirit has reminded you of something that you have promised God from your past that you're not presently living. You know that needs to change. You need to repent of that sin because you're not trusting in God. I don't know where you are this morning, but I do know this. God is good. And the only reason some of us are feeling rebuked and disciplined in this moment is because he loves us too much to leave us where we are. So will you respond? Let's pray together. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for this day. Thank you, Lord. Even though we can't see the why or the how or sometimes even the next step, you are the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. You not only know where we come from, you know where we are to go. You have our whole life written in your book. You are the almighty, all-knowing God who calls us in this moment to trust you that nothing is impossible with you, that everything you have for us is good. It's for our welfare. It's for our future. It's not only impact our life, it's an impact the lives of the people around us. It's an impact our kids and our grandchildren. It's an impact our family that we may never meet. 
all in this moment, by your mercy and by your grace, you call out from the heavens asking us to trust you. Father, forgive me when I have Forgive me when I've gone through the motions. Forgive me when I've just made a repetitive thing over and over again. Forgive me when I've lost the joy of my salvation. Forgive me for making it something I just do. Father, I want to be found in you and you alone. I pray for myself this moment, help me to trust you in ways I've never trusted you before. And I pray for my brothers and sisters in Christ in this moment. I pray for the wrestling, the battle right now that is going on in their life, Lord, that spiritual battle where Satan is trying to keep them from your glorious presence, your glorious blessings, your glorious truth, your promise, trying to keep them in fear. In the name of Jesus Christ, I rebuke that. Pray for your courage that your spirit gives us, the power and the boldness your spirit gives us, and the peace that surpasses all of our understanding in this moment. Finally, Lord, I pray for those here today that are not a brother or sister of Christ. They're not a child of God. If I pray in this moment that they would understand, but if not in this moment, your spirit would continue to speak to them, continue to work, and continue to lead them to truth, continue to give them a desire to know you and know what this is all about. Lord, we come this moment to be doers of your word and not hearers only deceiving ourselves so let our worship as we come this time of invitation be a worship of spirit and truth not for show or care of anyone else but Lord just for you forgive me if I failed you in any way in this time praise all my Lord and Savior Jesus Christ Amen I invite you to stand I invite you to come